Hello, family. Welcome to the Fearful Action Podcast, where we believe that action equals freedom and taking consistent fearful action is the best way to build self-confidence and fight fear. I'm your host, Juliano Paula. I'm uh, very excited to introduce you to my special guest today, Felice Markovic, who is a professional counselor, therapist, mediator, and coach. And what I love about her is that she has the biggest heart of anyone I know, and she has made it her mission to make the world a better place, and she is absolutely doing so. She has impacted my life in many ways that uh, words cannot describe, and she has helped me to build self-esteem, overcome many of my fears, and feel more optimistic and hopeful about my own life. And, uh, you know, I'm a better friend, a son, brother, and now a husband, thanks to her love and dedication. She has over 40 years of professional experience, including 10 years in child and youth services, 26 years at George Brown College in Toronto as a professor, academic advisor and counselor. She is passionate about diversity and inclusion. Uh, she does training, consulting, and mediation, and has dedicated her life to making her community a better place to live and work. She has worked for many years in family mediation. She's heavily involved in RC in the RC community, which is um, an organization that has been around since the 50s, and their goal is to help people bring about change within themselves and their communities using peer-to-peer uh, -peer based co-counseling methods. She has a master's of education from the University of Toronto. Her pastimes include being an overall kick-ass person. She loves spinning, <laughs> Pilates, gardening, and walking her dogs. Please welcome to the show, uh, Felice Markovic. Uh, Felice, thank you for agreeing to be on the show today. Wow, that's quite an intro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> So how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Very and good, so, thank you. Glad to be talking to you. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. I'm I'm excited to uh, to hear your uh, perspective and and expertise. And on our show, you know, we're looking to to help our audience to to overcome you know some of their challenges and fears and anxieties and things like that. And, and I know a lot of times uh, can help to. Uh, speak with somebody one-on-one -on -one, like yourself, a professional. Uh, but sometimes there may be some some things that our listeners can can do on their own to to mm -hmm. just uh, you know to grow and 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 to just be overall more comfortable with uh, with themselves. And and when we think about uh, fear and, and anxiety, where does uh, where does that come from? Where does fear and anxiety come from? Well, fear and anxiety and other feelings that are hard to manage um, are really very much a, places that we've been hurt. So I think, um, you know, before we're born or even sometimes, you know, in the womb, things happen to us. So um, and so once we are born, um, we, you know, we want to think that we come out with a fairly clean slate um, that, you know, we're whole and we were born, you know, with expectations of people being there and looking after us and we have no perspective really of what's going on for our parents or other people around us um, mm -hmm. nor do they really understand you know what it's like for babies I think there's a lot of misconceptions that you know when we're born that we won't remember things that happen when we're older or um, bad experiences as as very little ones um, that those don't somehow count so that they're out of our memory and that they won't have an impact on us and I think there's mm -hmm. a lot of research that says something different that says that even those early experiences of being scared perhaps in moments and not having the people around us understand that something is happening and we're scared mm -hmm. um, and not being able to give us a hand in those moments that that fear and and then what becomes anxiety can accumulate um so for example you know a baby being scared they you know when we're babies we automatically have access to all our feelings right mm -hmm. we cry we shake we might you know laugh and giggle and yawn and do all of those things that 
that are very natural to human beings. And mm -hmm. what we soon discover is that the people around us aren't so comfortable with us having our feelings. And mostly that's because nobody let them have their feelings when they were little. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of trying to stop us from crying or certainly stop us from shaking and wanting to comfort us. And, um, and in some cases, that's exactly what we need. Um, mm -hmm. And in other cases, what we really need is to be able, you know, once we we make sure that, you know, babies are taken care of, they're fed and they're clean and they're warm and, um, and they feel loved. And then somehow still they, you know, seem to have a need to show us that they're struggling with something. And I think that's where there's a lot of um, shutting down of those feelings um, because it's yeah. disturbing to adults to have babies crying. Sometimes what we really need is to have somebody just, you know, pay good attention to us and say, yeah, you tell me all about it, um, even though we don't know what's really happening. But very little of that actually happens. And so it's a lot of shutting down the feelings and, uh, you know, and then there's a lot of, you know, then and then there's a lot of gender based shutting down of feelings so that, you know, little boys are told from a very from earlier, I think, that even little girls, you know, big boys don't cry be a man, you know, yeah. all of those kinds of things. And so we learn to more and more and more internalize those feelings and right. they accumulate. And so without a chance to actually deal with them or release any of that, I think that they accumulate in us and then we begin to think, well, I'm just a scared person or mm. I'm just, you know, I don't like these kinds of situations. They make me anxious. But usually there's an early experience that when it happened, wasn't able to be released or, or healed by somebody paying some attention to us in that moment. And so then it becomes a thing and it becomes right. then we are a scared person or we are an anxious person um, mm -hmm. or, you know, we don't like crowds or those kinds of things. And what is actually possible Still, you know, for many of us, we think we just have to figure out how to manage or push through those feelings, but it is actually possible to heal those feelings and to not have to always try to figure out how to manage them, but to actually release or, or a word that um, we also like to use is discharge them, to actually get them out. And sometimes that may take a few times, depending on, you know, how accumulated that fear might be. But it is possible to shake and laugh and um, uh, about particular old experiences and have them not be nearly as charged or um, big in the present. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and so would you say that a, a lot of what we feel today that, that comes out in the form of fear and anxiety, it, it maybe started because we didn't get a chance to release or discharge the first mm -hmm few times early on when we felt that and we were kind of suppressed is that part of the the, yeah. the reasons that's, exact, that's exactly what I'm saying and and part of what happens too is that then because those those hurts accumulate and they are hurts right and it may not and, it, and it's not just fear it could be also grief it could be sadness it could be disappointment it could you know be discouragement all of those kinds of things they can accumulate um, if nobody's paying attention you know, it happens over and over again. And then we begin to believe that's just how we are. That's who we are. When that isn't who we were, it's what happened to us. And then what, you know, what we've had to learn to manage and deal with. All right. And, and so when we are feeling those feelings now as, as adults, um, I know that, um, you know, I guess acknowledging, you know, that, that feeling um, is is a good start. Like, what are some strategies that 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 we could use on our own when we start to to feel those feelings? So, I want to give an an example here to kind of paint a picture. Picture. So, before we started this interview, you know, I had my morning mapped out how I was going to prepare, and as soon as you know, I started to work the equipment. I had some some technical difficulties and I started to feel that 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 fear and anxiety what, what's something that that I can do or the listeners can do once you start to have those feelings so something that I do to, to even back it up 
for a second because you're you're good at noticing you're having feelings now. You are good at that. For lots of people, they don't notice that it's a feeling. They just know that they're getting, you know, they may notice frustration. They mm-hmm. may notice anger. Anger sits on top of fear. And so it may look like that. And so for many of my clients, and, you know, not to generalize too much, but especially for men who've been more shut off from their feelings than any than women, for sure, I have to say, what are you feeling? And they'll, and they'll say frustration, but then I'll say, well, where do you feel it? Well, I feel it in my chest. Oh, okay. So if you feel it in your chest, what does it feel like? Well, is it more like, how does it, how does it feel? And so it's like, well, it's hard for me to breathe. Okay. Well, if it's hard for you, if you're feeling in your chest that it's hard to breathe, are you sure that you would call that frustration? Right? Mm-hmm. Because I think it's, it, 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 Overall, it will feel like you're frustrated because you because fear is kind of an intolerable feeling. Um, mm-hmm. It's so connected to our survival when you think about it, right? It's that whole fear right. and flight dynamic. So I think, especially you know, for for many of us who've been told it's not okay to be a, to be fearful, it's not okay, you know, to show that you're scared. So instead, we feel frustration and anger that are more acceptable um, in a bigger picture, even though in the moment they may not be terribly acceptable because they're getting in our way, they're more socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. And so, so you know, what I might have said to you this morning as you were starting to feel that was to just stop for a second and see if you could just let your body shake a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. like just to just to shake it out a little bit or try to actually like notice, oh my goodness, here I am. I'm trying to get something started. Right. And of course it's not working. So maybe you could have a little laugh. So so laughing and shaking, especially the shaking, lets you to externalize some of those feelings that are starting to build up inside. Um, I have a client who, you know, who who struggles with doing lots of different kinds of things. And now what we do before he's gonna try something hard or something that he can tell is like you know, making him really, really scared and anxious is he just stops and shakes. And I know that sounds kind of silly. And like, how do you kind of do that? You don't want to be standing in the street shaking. People are going to look at you. (laughs) But, you know, I used to on my way to work when I started to feel anxious about, you know, a meeting or somebody I was going to have to see, I'd sit in the car and shake on my while I was driving, like just let my whole body start to kind of vibrate a bit. And by the time I got to work, I'd feel better. Or if I was at work and feeling that way, I could go to a bathroom stall. Close the door. Okay. Nobody has to know what you're doing. You can do it very quietly. If, you, if you're in the car, you can make lots of noise if you want. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Um, you know, because what's happening is that the fear is, is sort of bubbling inside. And by letting your body actually shake, you get to externalize some of that. So that right. it's not, it's not, it doesn't feel so unmanageable. So it's like a, it's a buildup. It's a buildup that you have to release at some point. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And, you know, in counseling, what we do is really go after those, those early experiences where you were that scared because it's not too late to actually still discharge the old experience, right? You can still do that in the present and so that they aren't the, the bedrock of all of the fears, right? That we start to shake up that foundation of fear and discharge some of that so that you don't have to be scared in, in, in situations that you've been traditionally scared in. Right, right. Okay. And, and so I know that a lot of it comes from, I guess we could say it's a type of programming, right? So when we come across a certain situation, maybe we've been there before and in our minds, you know, maybe the outcome is going to be the same. So we're afraid of the outcome or we just right. build, uh, we build a, a potential outcome in our minds, which, which then uh, creates fear. Right. So would you say that sometimes through exposure to that activity or that situation that we're afraid of to, t- to show ourselves that the results could be different? Would you say that that can be used as a strategy as well? Yes, um, but not by itself. So I I think that putting ourselves in situations, instead of completely avoiding them, putting ourselves in situations that scare us and then letting ourselves, you know, either 
having somebody listen to us about this is a situation that you know really scares me and if having somebody just pay attention to us and listen to how scared we are maybe shake some maybe giggle some about it and then go try it right because what we're doing and I'm not sure I would have used the word programming but I really but I can I think it's a word people will understand mm-hmm. that we're wired to believe that the certain situations that sell, seem the same, smell the same, you know, taste the same, sound the same to us, look the same, will mm-hmm. give us the same old results, even though it's a brand new situation, perhaps that, and it's a, and we're in a fresh moment. We don't treat new days and new moments as if they're fresh and new. We treat them if they look at all or seem similar to past experiences we automatically go in with the same expectation that it's going to be like that again. Wow. Okay. And then, but with, with, but if we can go after those kinds of experiences and heal them, then we're able to come to newer situations, to new situations with the expectation that this is a new situation and anything could possibly happen. It's not going to necessarily be the same. It's like the first day of school, right? Like, you know, Mm -hmm you've completed your even just grade up to grade 12 that's probably that's 13 or 14 if you count junior and senior kindergarten you know that's like 13 or 14 first days of school if you have a good one then you expect the next one to be good but if you have a bunch of bad ones or and you're scared and it doesn't go well then you believe that always that the first day of school is going to be a bad experience you don't treat it like it's a new experience you're in a new situation maybe even a new school new group of kids it has every possibility of going well but we bring these old experiences with us and they they taint the way that they taint our perspective of what potentially could happen here and that and that's why some some kids might you know run run from their parents arms with a smile towards the school and some will just hug their parents legs and don't want to go anywhere Exactly. The part I'm trying to understand uh, a little better is, um, is, is that I know that how you're able to support your clients and, and help them uh, mm-hmm. through. If we think of, uh, of a situation, so I'll use an exact uh, example here. So it's a, it's a clearer picture. So I've, I've had the opportunity to speak at a uh, business conference coming up, which would help me in my coaching business. And I've decided not to mostly due to to fear right so oh, okay. on my own you know how i would handle that to try to i guess overcome that is i would set smaller challenges for myself to build up to that so i wouldn't be speaking somewhere where it could potentially cost me business but maybe i'll join a toastmaster or i'll start a small group so i can get better at you know public speaking so i could build that that confidence. So that's how I would, would handle it on my own. Um, what, what are some other strategies or what would you help me with if we were working one-on-one to first figure out what is it that I'm afraid of and how can we handle it together? So I would look at, you know, what are the earliest memories you have of feeling in that the same particular way that you feel about speaking at the conference? And mm-hmm. so we would start with those early experiences and and start to dissect, you know, what was going on and how were you feeling? And it may be something really small, like it may be, you know, just having to the, the being called on by the teacher and having, you know, some and it not going well and then feeling in that moment humiliated. And and then what happens in those early moments, too, is because, again, as little ones are perspectives are limited we don't have a full understanding of what's going on right so maybe there's a mean teacher but maybe that mean teacher um you know is having a bad day but we have no way of knowing when when you know she calls on us and we don't have the right answer and she rolls her eyes or says something and makes the and the class laughs because the teacher's having a bad day Right. But then we take that on as, well, we're not smart enough. And if we speak in front of people, we're going to be humiliated. So we make a decision in those moments to protect ourselves, which is very much what the evolutionary 
how we're wired, you know, to survive. And so we make a decision and maybe we're 10 years old and we make a decision in that moment. Nope, not doing that again. Mm -hmm. I'm not someone who likes to do those things. And now Mm -hmm. we've established, you know, a decision about never going there again. And those then that those situations are scary. And so Mm -hmm. I would want if we were working together, I would want to go back to that original situation. Maybe not only that one, maybe there are others that are also attached to it that have built up to something bigger and and look at those feelings right and actually you know if you're if there's sadness you know to look at that and humiliation and fear you know the fear and then uh, and try to get some of those feelings out about the early situation and then come to a point where we redecide was that it was that that was a good decision that got made when you were 10 because you were humiliated in that situation but you're not 10 anymore Right. You're 30 something and you get to redecide what makes sense for you and what you're actually able to do based on real information in the present, not the old feelings about what happened a long time ago, because right. that no, that that early decision is no longer working for you. And okay. it's now in your way. Right. So mm-hmm. so how do we discharge enough that you're actually able to think clearly about the present time situation. And then I think you're right. I think little, you know, smaller experiences, especially when it's something big and, and important and you don't want to, you know, go up and you don't want to speak at a business conference when you're not feeling prepared or, and, and you're still feeling like those old experiences are very much present for you. So you right. want to have smaller experiences where you get, you you want to sort of push against the fear a little bit, but you also want to discharge, right? You also want to shake or 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 you know have somebody pay attention to you while you're thinking about going and and let the feelings come. You know there might be like a little bit of laughter. You know how we laugh when we're nervous, but to do that in preparation for this for the for the smaller event, um, and so okay. that we start to chip away at some of those feelings. Because without the discharge, what you're doing is you're, you're getting some experience. You're, you know, what I know about you, um, Jules, is that you're, you're very, you're very strong willed in a really good way. Like you don't want to be stopped and you, you know, your determination is huge and your willpower is, is, is huge. So, you know, you make a decision and you know you, you can do it or not. And if you can't, you'll try smaller things until you get there and you'll keep chipping away. But the piece that that could make it even easier is if you could have the feelings as you're going. Right. <laughs> like often I'll encourage my clients to try smaller things, you know, like calling a girl and, you know, and just having a phone conversation, never mind having a whole date. Right. right? But. But it's more about, okay, if you know that that phone call is coming up, then we can work on the feelings about the phone call, right? I'm not really, from from my perspective as the counselor, I'm not really all that concerned about how it goes. It just gives us a chance to get at those old feelings so we can clean them up so that in the present, you don't have to feel that way. Right. Okay. So... Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. So, you know, at at uh, at, at the end of, of the show, we'll, we'll give your information out so that anyone that wants to learn more can mm-hmm. can reach out and, and go on your sure. website and, and things like that. Um, so I, I want to be able to to help people that aren't as fortunate as I have to to be able to spend one on one time with you to to be able to use some of these strategies on their own. So, you know, we talked about taking smaller steps. I guess it's something that I've done on my own. I guess the part that's missing, I guess, is leading up to that smaller event. Once I start to have those feelings, mm-hmm. I have to take a moment and, and acknowledge it. And I guess allow, you know, whatever my, my, my body wants to do at the time, hopefully I'll, I'm alone when, when this happens <laughs> to, to come out. Maybe in, in, in laughter or in shaking, as you said, um, just to feel it and let it out so that yeah. I guess you get that release and, and, and you've taken the moment to just let it out. And is that a way of yep. 
uh, reprogramming is the only word that I know, right? Is is, yeah, is showing yourself that. that it's okay. Well, it's almost like instead of reprogramming, it's more like right now you have we're wired in a particular way and certain situations will cause it's almost like you know if your listeners remember record players with the needle on the record mm -hmm. right and so what i'm what i'm what 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 letting those feelings out can do is instead of being in a situation and the miniature there the needle lands on the record and the recording starts to play. I can't do it. I'm too scared. I'm no good. Whatever. And what we're, what I'm suggesting is that it's not it's not that there's a problem with the language of reprogramming, but it's really about picking the needle up off the record and not letting it play, not having that recording playing, but being able to actually think clearly in that moment about what is really going on and okay. who you really are. But I liked your your suggestion of what to do and it's interesting right like it's uh, it, it doesn't have to be me who listens or you know a therapist or a counselor anybody can listen to anybody we all have the ability to pay attention to each other mm -hmm. so if you had a colleague at work that you felt comfortable with or a friend and you could just call and say oh my god I'm feeling really scared you know and just have somebody listen to you while you shake whether it's on the phone or in person and that you you exchange that time right that you do it together that you um you know that you have a partner you do it as partners and you know you could say okay i'm going to listen to you for 10 minutes now you listen to me for 10 minutes um and that might be shaking and that might be laughing but it also might be having a good cry it could be you know or you just need a chance to to yawn and stretch and and just feel what's going on in your body for a moment while somebody's paying attention to you or imagine somebody's with you when you're doing it on your own so that you don't, you know, you're not attaching feeling alone um, to the uh, to the fear of the moment. Wow. So this is uh, could be something that that, that can be powerful to, to have somebody that that you can go to, you know, a, a friend, someone that that understands you and you're you're comfortable with so that when you have those moments, you can deal with it. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. so I think that uh, I think part of the challenge, too, is that you know, as, as we go about our days and our lives, things start to happen and we don't fully deal with it. So I, I would say it, it kind of piles up. All right. And exactly. so you, you did talk about the, the act of, of, of sharing with, with another person and, and there's going to be times where, you know, these feelings come up and we don't have somebody that we can reach out to and something I've been hearing a lot lately about is you know positive self-talk right so we we talked about changing the, the the record right to maybe eliminate some parts so would you say that's something that we can implement as maybe a daily habit of of having sure. some positive self self-talk what, what are your thoughts on that sure i mean i think it's really um really really useful to start to notice what are the the recordings that run in our head. So, you know, certain situations might have, you know, the voices of our parents running in our heads that we forget that it was where, you know, or we forget what the origin of that voice might have been because now we've completely internalized it. So, for example, something like, you know, you're in a situation and you don't get something right. And so you immediately, you know, maybe what runs in your head is how could you be so stupid or, you know, right nobody's going to want to hear what you have to say. And, and sometimes these recordings in our heads are so part of the wallpaper of the inside of our heads that we don't even notice them. Mm -hmm. And so I think the first trick is to really notice what's happening. Like I used to have many years ago, I want to say at least 30-ish years ago, I used to have running in my head pretty regularly, didn't notice it. It was just there all the time. You're so stupid. How could you be so stupid? In uh, pretty much any situation that it wasn't perfect, I was stupid. And I didn't even notice it um, until I did, until somebody pointed out, well, what's running in your head? And I was like, oh, look, this. look, look at that. <laughs> you know, nobody wants to hear what you have to say. You talk too much. You're stupid. This was what was running in my head. And I had to catch it. 
right? And I and so I started to catch it and then I started to replace it with that's not a useful thought, be quiet. And mm -hmm. I had to do that for about a year of just noticing it and at the same time also still doing my own counseling um, with other people, like having my own sessions, um, but just kept catching that voice and going, no, that's not useful. Nope, that's not useful. And it stopped. After about uh -huh. a year, it's it stopped. Um, and it's funny because it's only about, about uh, I want to say a year and a half ago or so I was in a situation and I dropped a stone on my foot and uh, it was silly what I had done and and uh, I was sitting there and there were people helping me because my foot was broken and bleeding and and that voice popped in my head and I and it actually I started saying it out loud how could I be so stupid and there was someone sitting beside me trying to help me and she said oh don't say that don't say that it was just an accident and and I realized that I hadn't heard that voice for like 20 something years, but, wow. but there it was in a, in a really sort of dire, very scary situation. It came back out um, that it was still some, still somewhere in there. Right. But certainly doesn't play on any kind of regular basis anymore, but we <laughs> internalize those voices and often they're the voices, you know, that we either, imagine people are thinking about us or people are really saying those things to us and then we take them on they don't have to say it to us anymore we just do it to ourselves wow that is uh very very interesting that you were you're able to uh you know get away from saying that to yourself mm -hmm. but it, it's still there in some way right so that mm -hmm. uh that work that we have to do it seems like it's it's got to be constant, right? Because it, yep. uh, we can we can start to feel better, but some of the old recordings are still there in in the back, right? And yeah, and, and it's interesting that you had that moment where somebody kind of pointed it out to you, right? As yeah. a, as a reminder, it might have gone unnoticed, right? If uh, there was somebody <clears throat> wasn't there to say, hey, don't say that to yourself, and then you were reminded that you've worked uh, hard on on dealing with that, right? Yeah, it, it was a pretty stressful moment. I was definitely in like that whole fear flight, whatever kind of um, survival mode. And, and it took that much for it to come back out, but it was interesting that it was, oh my, that's still there. Isn't that interesting? I thought you were gone. But uh, it was also kind of embarrassing, right? Because I had done this to myself and there were suddenly like four or five people standing around me trying to help. Um, so I think, I think the combination of everything was strong enough that, you know, there was that voice again, I see. my father's voice. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. We, we all have, uh, some people Perfect. that have influenced us. Yeah. In, in the past in, in some way, whether it's positive or, or, or negative. So the one thing I'm thinking here is that, you know, once you identify that, that voice and what you're saying you want to be able to you know change that that recording so you're not having negative self-talk but would you say that it can be beneficial maybe before we can even identify the negative ones to just add some positive ones even not in reaction to something we said you know like saying i'm 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 so stupid if that if you haven't recognized that yet, but just saying, you know, I'm I'm a good person, you know, I'm intelligent. Would you say that it could be beneficial to just add in some positive? Okay. Sure. How could it hurt? Right. Um, you know, certainly, you know, even in the moments of of feeling like, oh, my God, I can't do this. And then, you know, having another voice that says, no, wait a minute, you got this. You got this. Right. Even if you have to imagine that it's somebody else's voice that's in your life, that's positive. Right. Who believes that about you. So mm -hmm. until you can believe it about yourself, because the thing about positive affirmations, you have to actually believe them. Otherwise, it's you're, it's just an exercise in futility. Right. So if you don't believe them, like often with my clients, I'll say, you know what, your 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 homework this week is to go home. And in this situation to just say, I got this, you know, I, 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 there's no way that I can't do this. I, I, I've done it before. Now, if they can handle that on their own, 
in that they believe it and they can and they can connect to it great but if they can't then i tell them make it my voice right mm -hmm. i'll be the one who still believes in you i'll hold on to my belief in you until you can internalize that yourself right so if the positive affirmations work and you believe them and you can and you can connect to them terrific but if you can't then you know pick somebody in your life who you know does feel that way about you you know maybe it's your partner maybe it's your sister maybe it's a teacher maybe it's a mentor you know and ha and and it's and say okay well john believes in me or or you know Abdul believes in me or whatever, they believe that this is true. So I'm going to go with that. You know, Felice thinks I, I can do this. So maybe I can. Right. And so that you, right. so that you're not playing, you know, it's it, 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 that it actually is connected to you. Like that you really, you know, it's like, and, and, and I, many clients have said to me that it's been really useful that, I say, I'm going to hold on to my belief about how good you are until you get there. And right. them knowing that I feel that way about them is enough. It's not just a rote positive affirmation where you're just saying something, but somebody believes it about you if it's not yourself. Wow. That that can be more power, can be even more powerful. Yeah, I think that's 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 very important because I, I have been using that as a strategy every morning. I start my day that way. And, you know, once in a while, something will during the week will come to, to my head. I'll add it to the list. And I have been saying some things, not that I don't believe because they're all positive things about myself, but I'm not there yet. And I like right. that as as a strategy, because some of those things on my list. I, you know, others have said about me, but I don't fully believe it yet. So if I could put it right. in that person's voice that I do believe, I think that yeah. could be a powerful way to, to get there myself eventually. Right. So we think about some of these strategies. We talked about the, the, the positive self-talk, taking some small steps, you know, on our own, talking to, to a friend so that we can you know, feel those feelings that could potentially help us moving forward. How can somebody kind of get to the point of, of deciding whether or not it's something that these feelings and, and the challenges they're having, they can't deal with on their own and they should seek professional help? Because not everyone has the, um, let's say, the means to, because there there is a cost, not all benefits cover that. And I just mm -hmm. want to kind of, if you can help the listener to um, uh, maybe assess themselves to get to a point where maybe they should take a step outside of themselves, outside of reading books and seek professional help. Well, I think if you're trying the same things over and over again, and the result is always less than what you were hoping for, um, and you seem to be making the same mistakes repeatedly, then you probably need a hand. And or, you know, I mean, I see people for lots of different reasons, but if it's really about, you know, I think what we've been talking about is how do you get, meet your goals and how do you have the success that you want? Um, and if you keep banging your head against the wall with that, you know, just you try this and you try that, there's something in the way and you might need somebody to give you a hand with seeing what's in the way of, you know, being able to, to have a girlfriend or have a successful relationship or get the job you want or keep the job you want. So any of those kinds of things, if, you know, it's repeatedly the same result, then you might just need somebody else's perspective, you know, mm -hmm. to, to, to see what's going on and, and, and what it's connected to for you. I also have people who are just very, are really struggling with life, right? Sitting at their desk at work crying and not knowing why, or, you know, drinking excessively and not able to, to, to stop even when the things that may have started all of that or those issues are long gone, but they're still, you know, dealing with addictions or, um, you know, not being able to be faithful or, you know, ways that your that, that big pieces of your life are breaking down, um, mm -hmm. I think are, it is time to, to get some help 
um, many of us just sort of suffer and keep trying the same things. And, um, and I think, you know, the thing I've noticed most, and, and again, it's most, not only, but mo- with, for many, many men, it's remarkable to me how cut off from their feelings they are. And, you know, I'll say, like, how are you feeling? And they're like, I don't, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, what do you mean? How am I feeling? I'm just feeling the way I always feel. Well, what is that? Where is that? And sometimes it can take a few weeks to actually be able to say, where is that feeling in your body? That's sometimes the only way that people can actually identify that there's something going on. Because the disconnection is so profound. And then they find themselves in situations and they don't know why they're doing what they're doing because they're not at all connected to their emotions or their emotional self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I think those are times when you really, you know, you find yourself cheating, even though you don't want to, and you're really sorry later. Well, what's going right. on that causes you to do that? Right. So mm-hmm. those kinds of things I think should, people should get some help with. Sure. Okay. Or they just, yeah. Before they, especially before they either destroy the, 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 their relationships or the things that are important to them um, or before or, you know, and or so that they can actually get to the place where they have those things. Right. Okay. And so when somebody's trying, trying different things, always having the same results, no matter what, what they're doing, I guess that th- those are signs that, you know, from the information and the knowledge that you have doing your best, you're still having those same results. So maybe it's time to consider getting another perspective and, and reaching out to, to a professional, right. Mm-hmm. To, to yeah. get some help. All right. And, and so when I, you know, when I think about my, myself, something that, uh, that I've, I've struggled with and I tried the different strategies here and there and and I just want to want to talk about that and see if I can get some some insights one one of the challenges for me that I have is is basically having tough conversations with people right something that could potentially be looked at as a confrontation I avoid it and it does affect my business because I am you know I'm coaching clients I'm looking to help them um, in the best way that I can. And sometimes there are tough conversations. So whether somebody, you know, shows up late for a call or, you know, they were supposed to do some homework and they show up to our meeting unprepared, I have a hard time kind of bringing that up. What do you think that's all about? How personal do you want to get right now? <laughs> you know, what are your early, like, you know, what, what, what would have happened to you as a young one if you had to try to do something like that? What does this situation remind you of? When you think about having to do that, what happened if you tried to do that when you were small? Right. Okay. You have yeah, like, I, absolutely I do. So I guess if there was anything that came off as a a confrontation or even just a difference of opinion, uh, my, I guess my opinion on it was stifled or, or set aside. Maybe it's not the right time or, or the right place. So I never felt like when something comes up as, as a thought or an objection to something that it was okay to just say it. So then over time, I just became an overthinker. So before I say it, I'm thinking, okay, if I come in at at this angle, I might get shut down there. So I'm going to go here. That might not work. And then so thinking of all these different angles, I can go with a conversation or with a rebuttal. The overthinking just makes me avoid it. And so then I just won't do it. So that that's what's happened over time. So I'm trying to get over that because... I would be able to help my clients better if I am able to have those those tough conversations because that's my goal is to help them. So not being able to speak my mind and to have those tough conversations, it's affecting our relationship. So it sounds like there were enough times where you might have tried to challenge somebody or bring up another point or, you know, confront somebody or just have a difference of opinion and you either got shut down or embarrassed or humiliated or you know maybe even hurt in those moments and you decided i i, I i'm not good at this 
-hmm. And that decision is still with you, that you're just not good at that. When the reality is every situation is a new situation. And just because it feels this way doesn't mean it's going to end up being exactly the same result as it was when you were small, right? But it feels that way. And so if you can, you know, deal with some of those feelings of what it was like when you were small and those things happened, then you might be able to see these situations more clearly. In the present, though, you know, if you know, once we've dealt with all of that, what, what it gets easy to do is to not have it be a confrontation. You know, somebody comes to a meeting with you, they haven't done their preparation. So we get to be curious. Oh, mm. I know. I, didn't we say we were going to do these pieces before? What, what would make you not? What, 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 what got in your way? Just mm. like that. Not a big confrontation. Just curious. You know, how can I help you so that next time, you know, we, we, you know, how can I help you get through these pieces so that we can move forward? Anything like, you know, when there aren't feelings attached to it or we don't have old hurts attached to it, we get to just be curious in the present. You know, what, what would get in your way of being able to do this stuff? I, I'm really interested to know, how can I give you a hand with that? Right? Mm. And then it's no longer a confrontation. It's right. giving somebody a hand. But it's once we've attached all our stuff to it, it becomes something else. Wow. Yeah, that's... Very, very interesting, and it, it and it makes sense. It's the, I guess, part of the fear is that I will, I'm painting a picture of what's gonna come from it, and that's maybe getting ahead of myself, right? If I come totally. at it, I'm totally. just curious to know, you know, what happened. So you're you're late for a meeting, like what, what happened? Just being curious, as opposed to making the assumption that they're going to take it personal and then they're going to say this and I'm going to say that I'm already five steps ahead of what, you know, mm -hmm. what's happening and, and, and getting and, away from reality. And the most important part of that is the tone that you use, right? But it's really hard to have a relaxed tone when you have all kinds of other feelings that are already in the way that have nothing to do with the person that you're about to meet. So if you can get the feelings, uh, some of those feelings out and that might mean standing in your living room shaking for a while and then, you know, they arrive or whatever, you meet them and your, 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 if your tone is like, oh, you know, I'm just like, oh, I thought we were going to do this. So, so, you know, what got in the way? Mm -hmm. The tone makes all the difference as opposed mm -hmm. to, oh, I thought we were going to do these pieces today. Uh, what happened? Right. Totally different tone kind of confrontational then right right okay so where in your situation what you want to go for is curiosity versus confrontation right and, and so i know a lot of times you know we feel fear and, and anxieties and we think that maybe we're the only ones feeling <laughs> this way and nope. i i think that uh, everyone struggles with that but at times even i feel like you know maybe i'm the only one but so are there are there certain challenges that that you have now, even with all the knowledge that, that the knowledge that you have and, and experience that maybe people would be surprised that that a professional in in the space of helping people to overcome a lot? What, what is uh, something, if you don't mind sharing that mm. people may be surprised that even with all the knowledge you struggle with? Good question. I mean, I think. You know, I'm always doing my own personal work um, while I'm working with others. And, you know, I've done lots of years and years of work, but certain situations will still, you know, have me be scared. Um, be, you know, there are certain relationships, uh, certain family relationships that can make me that can make me anxious to be around certain people in my family because maybe that's somebody who bullied me as a child or. Maybe that's um, somebody that often, you know, wants to get it, it, it gets into conflict with others. And so I might feel have some, you know, I, I've, I've probably worked on those relationships. But, you know, for example, when certain people come to dinner, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, I may prepare more. I may want things to be perfect even more, you know, and and so how it would look on me is, you know, racing around the house, making sure everything is just so and the food is just so. 
when I'm really anxious, really actually just wanting things to go really well and a little bit worried about what they're going to think. Um, so that's still, you know, it's, it's way better than it's ever been, but I still can have those feelings. Um, if I had to stand in front of a room of 500 people and talk, I'd probably have those kinds of feelings. Just, uh, I think that's kind of, uh, you know, unless it's something you do every day, you know, it's a, it's a new experience with, with lots of people. Um, I don't do those things though. I, I'm not called on to do those things and that's okay with me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but I certainly have talked in front of very large groups of people. I have done that. Um, probably on top of my feelings instead of actually dealing with them when I did that years ago. But I also stood mm-hmm. in front of a classroom for many years. So um, I think if there's a particular task, a particular role, and I know what I'm doing, I can do it. But to, mm-hmm. you know, um, be in a situation where I'm not prepared, maybe that would be challenging. Right. Um, what okay. am I scared of? I think the thing I'm mostly scared of is uh, still is being in really big crowds of people. And having people get um, kind of wound up uh, about something, you know, like gangs going after a, a one person, that kind of momentum that happens in a in a crowd, um, that right. kind of crowd mentality. I think that's probably one of my still my fears that I don't it's not that I would avoid being in a crowd. But if something like that happens where people are like, yeah, get that person or, you know, they all you know, they're, they're become kind of one as a crowd and, and, right. and the, the goal of the, what they're planning to do is not a good thing. That I mm-hmm. find very scary because I don't know how to stop something like that. I see. Okay. So I guess there's yeah. a, there's a lot, loss of, loss of control there, right? That you just yeah. a lot, yeah. there's a lot happening at once and, and you don't know which direction it's going. Yeah. I think that, that, that danger can't stop this kind of, yeah, that's, that's probably my, biggest old fear mm-hmm. okay making that move can can we go back to to that moment because that's what i do is i do help people to start their their own business and i'm just wondering your your experience when you were thinking of starting to do some work on your own what were some of the the thoughts and, and feelings that you had there maybe were there some some doubts on on how it could be doing it on your own as opposed to you know working uh, with uh, with a team as you were before, it's more of an independent work. What were you uh, kind of thinking at that time, and were there some challenges early on? That's a really good question. I I'm not. Sh- I think part of what makes what I've been doing a little bit different than what potentially your clients are doing is because I'm retired. It was never attached to having to make a living for me because I, I'm fortunate to have a pension. So, um, sure, I wanted to do it mostly because I really love um, doing this kind of work um, and watching people get their, have their lives be the way they want them to. Um, I think it was really more about figuring out how to because I'd never done anything like that, how to make connections and have people know that I was around and available. So I think I, in many ways, I downplayed what I was doing in the beginning and mm-hmm. made it, made, you know, it's bigness, like how many clients I had or it's success. I kind of downplayed it for myself so that I wouldn't have to get anxious about it being big and successful. And mm-hmm. In my own mind, you know, I'm just actually thinking about this right now, but I think in my own mind, that was my way of not having to worry about it being big and successful because I told myself I didn't need that. It's grown without me worrying about it growing. It's grown um, from the success of the work that I've done. And... um, and also really wanting to be accessible. So I don't, you know, I know many therapists that charge a lot of money. Um, and I, I, you know, I, it's not, I have a sliding scale and, you know, I've really stuck with um, that people can pay, you know, based on what they can afford. And I've really stuck with my own values. I've really stuck with, you know, doing this work from 
my heart because I think it's the right thing to do. And I know that I can be helpful to people and that gives me a great deal of, um, what's the word? Um, fulfillment. Not, yeah. Fulfillment and, 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 and makes me happy. Um, mm-hmm. and I've done it from that perspective and I've tried to, to keep it accessible to people, um, who might not necessarily have access to it otherwise. And, Doing it that way, um, I think, is what has made me successful, that it has made me feel fulfilled um, and has brought more clients. Yeah, so now wanted to, we talked about a lot of our, what we feel today, a lot of the, the strong feelings, whether it's fear, anxieties, are, are coming from what we would say are, are old-time hurts, right, or early hurts that are then replaying in our minds over time. So I guess uh, as a way of maybe avoiding that, um, maybe for parents, uh, certain things that they could say early on or not say. So if you have, if we have parents listening now that that have young, young children, would be uh, uh, one piece of advice you would give to them uh, of things that they could say or maybe not say in certain situations? Well, saying and not saying is important, but also paying really good attention to your kids is really important. And I think there's a way that parents' lives are, you know, family lives in this, you know, current historical period, you know, both parents are working, kids are in school, there's, you know, huge pressure to get a lot of things right. And, um, you know, parents aren't getting a break. They aren't getting time to focus on their kids. Really, there should be like, you know, three parents per child would probably be enough and the world would be a very different place. But that Mm -hmm. isn't how it goes. And often it's one parent for three kids or, you know, some, you know, or maybe two parents, but, you know, working long hours and really just trying to get the laundry and the lunches made and all the rest of that. And, you know, what's really tough is that kids may have moments of you know getting something wrong and we get upset with them and then you know we may say things that are hurtful and they may cry about those things or you know something may happen to them and in the moments they need to have a good cry about you know falling and thinking that they were you know something bigger was happening or just you know so Making, I think, it, I think making a space for kids to have their feelings means mm-hmm. that we don't hold on to those early hurts and build on them, that they aren't there in the first place, right? So if something happens and, you know, your child needs to have a good cry about it, you know, even if you don't have time for that, and I know that's challenging, but trying mm-hmm. to be patient and hold their hand and say, yep, tell me more about it until they're done crying and they will get be done. They won't go on and on and on, but they will be done letting them have that moment um, and being compassionate in those moments to let them have the feelings they need to have um, and letting them know that, yes, they may have made a mistake, and but that doesn't mean that they're bad. Um, it just means that they made a mistake, right? Not fundamentally attaching, you know, their actions to who they are and, and making it about them as opposed to something that happened that they can do differently next time, right? So. You know, we don't want to tell their kid, our kids that they're bad. We don't want to tell our kids that there's something wrong with them or insinuate that there's something wrong with them um, because those things stay with us. And after you've stopped saying it, now it's that, that's where those voices in our heads come from, right? right. What our parents or teachers or somebody said to us, you know, if they have a, a, a bad experience at school, you want them to be able to come home and tell you about it and, and have the tears or, you know, whatever they need to do around that and not ha- and, and know that they have a space to do that in, that they have somebody to tell. Um, and if that can't be you, then finding, you know, hope maybe it's a brother or a sister or somebody um, because otherwise we just internalize that stuff. And then we make decisions about what it means because we don't have any other perspective, but when we can cry it out or, you know, laugh about things that scared us or, um, shake or whatever, then it those experiences don't cloud our thinking. 
And there's a way that we confuse thinking with feelings. And feelings are not the same. And so, you know, if we don't have a chance to express those feelings, they confuse us and they confuse our thinking. So just making a space for kids to do what they need to do um, and, you know, work things out with our attention without being told that they're wrong or bad or stupid or anything like that. But yes, just tell me more. Is that what that was like? Tell me what, what that was like for you just now. Okay. And let them cry and hold them and let them know you love them. It can wow. be as simple as that. Wow, that's very very powerful that 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 moment you know they were let's say a you know a, a dog lunged at them and yeah. they're that they start crying and just holding them and and making yeah. it okay let it out let them feel what what they're feeling and yeah. just show that you're supporting them you love them and maybe that moment taking that time in that moment could keep them from in the future maybe having a big fear uh, yep. of dogs I, mm -hmm. it's funny because I have a story like that um, um, and it's funny because I haven't there was a, a, a friend of mine's daughter and that's exactly what happened she loved our dog and we brought the dog over to visit and, and he never he was really a sweet dog and never barked never anything but for whatever reason she was about seven I think and um, in that moment she he um, snapped at her and she got scared and so um, she started to cry and her mom just, you know, picked her up and put her on her lap and she had a good cry. And my friend said, you know, tell me more about what that was like for you. And um, and she cried it out and then she got back down on the floor and played with the dog. Wow. <laughs> and it was like nothing happened. And it's funny because I tell that story regularly and I just I told it on last week on Thursday, I think. And then on Friday, it turned out that. Uh, this little girl who's now an adult um, was visiting her mom and I was there and I asked her she didn't even remember that it had happened and neither did her mom right because it became a non-event as opposed right. to you know she's scared of dogs and doesn't have anything to do with dogs as an adult which could have which could have been the result right? right but that's not what happened there and that you know anybody you ask you know that says if they say oh no I don't like dogs I'm afraid of dogs well you know, you can, I can guarantee you if you say, well, what happened? Did something happen? Something happened to everybody because we're not naturally afraid mm -hmm. of dogs. There's no good reason to be unless something happens. But if you don't have a chance in those moments to get those feelings, out, then it stays with you. And that's true about all of these kinds of experiences. Right. Right. And, and, and I guess because some aren't, aren't as obvious, right? When you think about an incident with a dog when you're a child, that's very scary. So if a dog lunged at you, that could be something that could be easily identified, but there's gonna be others that will take more, uh, you know, introspection and, and, and thinking about, you know, your childhood and, and trying to find those, those things because a lot of it might not be as obvious, right? Where we felt you know, rejected or ridiculed or things like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So now I just have uh, one, one last uh, question for you here, uh, Felice. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if, uh, if you were, uh, you know, if you could send a, a message that that plays on everyone's phone, you know, in the entire world, when they oh my. wake up, First thing tomorrow morning, no pressure. <laughs> what what would uh, what would you like to say to them? Something that somebody could wake up to and, and hear first thing in the morning tomorrow. Something like I am good. I am mm -hmm. really good. And today is a fresh day. And I can handle anything that comes my way. Something like that. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, it's no matter what what happens, looking mm -hmm. internally, right, that we are, we are good. We are, yeah. we have good intentions, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I like it. Okay. Well, Felice, thank you very much for, for taking the time 
to, to chat today. I think this was uh, very, very helpful uh, for me, very in insightful. And I want to uh, give people an opportunity to, to learn more about you and, and, and your, your services and, and where would be the, the best uh, place for people to learn more about you, whether it's a website, email or, or social media. How can people learn more about you and your services? Certainly the counseling services. I do have a website. It's myname.com. So felicemarkovich.com. Um, and I maybe you can put the correct spelling um, on your podcast. And my phone number is, well, and, and my email is also myname at gmail.com. So that's probably the, the best way to reach me is, um, and also my, all my other contact information is also on my website. Okay. All right. So I will uh, have the the website uh, and, and phone number it in the show notes so people can can reach out to you. So Perfect. again, thank you very much, Felice, for for taking the time today. Okay, thank you. Thanks for having me. It was wonderful to, to chat with you and to um, your questions were pretty brilliant. Thank you. Thank okay. you. I appreciate right. your time. Cool. Okay, take care. Okay.